Welcome to the Giants Huddle, a New York Giants podcast. Welcome to the newest episode of the Giants Huddle podcast. I am John Schmelk with Paul Dettino. You can find the Giants Huddle podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms on Giants.com and on the Giants mobile app. With the offseason upon us, we're going to talk some draft with our buddy Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network. Tony, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. I hope your holidays treated you well, my friend. Great to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me. I hope everyone had a great holiday. Johnny, let me ask you something. When you look at these games, and, you know, I had a personnel guy tell me, and it's got to be a good 30 years ago, you know, he wants to see the big-time prospects, the guys who are the most highly rated, do their best in these biggest games of their season. And I have to confess to you, that's something that bothered me about Chase Young recently because as Ohio State was winding down, and I know they've still got some snaps to play, and it's going to be something I'm looking at very carefully, he seemed to have a lot of trouble of getting that high-end production against Wisconsin, against Penn State. How do you view the big prospects in the biggest games? Do you put extra emphasis on those grades? I, I think it's the match. It's not only the game, but it's the big matchup. When you go against the top-level player, you look at, say, Cleveland Farrell against Jonah Williams last year in the Nationals title game and, and what, how well Cleveland Farrell did in that game. So it's not just the game, but it's also when they're matched up against a top-rated prospect. You've you got to remember with Chase Young, you know, they didn't have Iowa. Ohio State didn't have Iowa on the schedule this year. So he missed out facing uh, against Iowa's outstanding uh, duo of tackles in Alaric Jensen. Jackson and Tristan works. So it's not just the game, but you also really want to see you know, those one-on-one matchups. Tony, I want to stay on Chase Young because Paul mentioned him specifically. Do you view him as one of the best or the best pass rusher in terms of prospects you've seen in the last 10 years like a lot of other people? Or do you have him more in that you know Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa class with those guys? I think he's an exceptional pass rusher. Uh, I think he's one of the best pass rushers. I think he's a Julius Peppers type of pass rusher. Wow. But being a pass rusher is just one element of being a defensive end or being a defensive player, you know, in the NFL. You also have to defend the run. You also have to, on occasion, drop back off the line and play in coverage. You've got to make plays in space. He does well in some of those areas. He's deficient in other areas. I think he's far and away the best player in this year's draft. Uh, I think he's got a high upside. But, you know, I'm not going to go out there and say he's, you know, the best defensive end. I like to look at them as complete players, not just the pass rusher. And I don't think, I think he's very good, but I don't think he's the best defensive end that we've seen in the NFL draft the past 10 years. Well, Tony, i got to build off of this now because everybody understands the Giants certainly have a very strong need for a pass rusher. Maybe they get it in free agency. We know they're going to have a lot of cap room, so they may decide to go that way. But let's, for argument's sake, just say that Chase Young is gone, okay? Is there a NFL lottery pick type of pass rusher if Young is off the board when the Giants pick? Or is he really so far ahead of everybody else that the Giants need to go in another direction to get true value? It basically falls off a cliff after Chase Young. I think it falls off a cliff not just from a pass rusher point of view, but from an overall player point of view, that's how much higher I have him rated than any other player in the draft. I think any other pass rusher at that early part of the draft is a bit of a reach. I do think there'll be the availability to get some good pass rushers in the second day of the draft, 
But really, if you're looking for a pass rusher in the top five picks, it's Chase Young or bust. Tony, I've seen a lot of people throw a lot of laurels at the offensive tackle class in this draft. And the Giants, they have some veteran offensive tackles. They might want to try to get younger at the position to plan for the future. Do you see two or three top 10 caliber offensive tackles in this draft? How do you view that group? I see one top three, top four pick in Andrew Thomas from Georgia, a pure left tackle, an incredibly athletic guy, someone who has a great upside. I think he's the best left tackle prospect in this year's draft. You've got to wait and see what other underclassmen may enter the draft. Tristan Wirfs of, Ju- of Iowa, who plays right tackle but may be able to slide over to left tackle in the NFL, I think he also grades as a top-ten pick. It depends on whether or not he's going to enter the draft. I'm told right now he's leaning towards returning uh, to school. But still, I, I mean, it's a good offensive tackle class. If you lose out on Andrew Thomas at the top of the draft, you're still going to be able to get some quality guys in the second day of the draft, guys that can play left tackle, that can play right tackle, guys who I feel can start as rookies but also have a high upside and will be longtime starters in the NFL. We want to follow up, Tony. A lot of people do have the Alabama offensive tackle, Jedrick Wills, as a top 10 pick. How do you view him? I have graded in the bottom half of round one. I know a lot of people tend to like him. I prefer his teammate Leatherwood. Let me ask you this, Tony, and, and one of the things that I like to do, because you never know what's going to happen in that first round, and everybody focuses on the first round, but you and I both know, as well as John, the later rounds are so important. How many NFL-ready tackles are there in this draft are you going to be able to get one in the second round even maybe the third round is the position that deep where you don't necessarily have to go that high to get one a franchise guy i understand but can you get a starter later on in day two yeah absolutely i think you're looking at and again it depends on which underclassmen entered the draft walker little was an NFL-ready guy from Stanford. He got injured early. He's staying in school. We still want to hear from Austin Jackson, the underclassman from USC. We already spoke about the, uh, the two guys from, uh, from Alabama. Uh, you know, Matt Pert from UConn played right tackle at UConn. He's going to be a second-day pick. Could have fallen to the second round. At worst, he's a third-round pick. He's a guy who I think can start and play a long time as a rookie in the NFL. Trey Adams out of Washington, at one time considered a top 15 selection, has had injury issues. Had an injury issue as a sophomore with his knee, had an injury issue last year with his back. He's played relatively well at times this year. You know, if he passes medicals, he's a second-day guy that can also, uh, I believe, start as a rookie. Auburn has a guy in Prince Tega Wananogo who's going to be a, maybe a late first round, at worst a top 45 pick. Very athletic tackle, not as athletic as Andrew Thomas, but again, a guy who's got a high upside and someone who I think you can put into a starting lineup as a rookie and you'll get good returns from him. Tony, obviously the Giants not interested in a quarterback in this draft, but the more quarterbacks that go high, the better <laughs> players that get pushed down to the Giants. So Burrow is a guy that's been talked about at number one a lot. Two has got the hip. Then you have Herbert, who I know there's a, seems to be a lot of separation on what people think about him. Um, what's your view on this quarterback class, how high these guys are going to go, which could push some talented players down to the Giants? I mean, a lot of questions. You know, Joe Burrows had a sensational year, won the Heisman Trophy. His game is on the upswing, which is what you want when you're selecting a quarterback. You want a guy who's basically moving forward. All the ingredients are there. But he's only really done it for one year, so that has to be a concern. You talked about to his hip. I, I mean, people want answers now. We're not going to have answers on really, really where he stands 
for another three to four months. And remember, it's not just about what happens on draft day with Tua. It's whether he's going to be able to play three, four years down the road. Justin Herbert has had a very uninspired season, and there's a lot of concern there. Uh, he came into the, into the uh, campaign, he came into the season as the highest-rated senior prospect. He was given a grade by scouts that really hadn't been given out in the past 10 years, and he's kind of fallen flat this year. He hasn't played poor football, but he's just been uninspired. You know, Jordan Love, another kid from uh, another potential first-round pick from Utah State, did not beat expectations. Jacob Eason of Washington, he, uh, he declared for the draft yesterday. He's been inconsistent. He really doesn't have a big body of work. So I think the best way to describe this, uh, this quarterback class is there's great potential there, but there's also some, you know, some room to be cautious and, and basically to say, you know what, there is some downside risk to this quarterback class. Let me ask you this, Tony. Building off of what you just mentioned about, Herbert lost a lot of luster this year for whatever the reason. Tua, we know he got hurt. Okay, fine. Aside from the quarterbacks, were there any other guys that you were pretty darn sure going into this season were going to be top five or top ten? And then because of the way they fell flat, they are now dropping like stones as we go into the uh, the draft season. You know, Raquan Davis of Alabama, he's a, he's a very good player. He was terrific as a sophomore, didn't have a great junior year, decided to go back uh, for a senior year, and he's just been okay, the, the defensive lineman. And that seems to be the M.O. of a lot of uh, defensive linemen that come out of Alabama. You know, they kind of seem to level off after showing flashes of brilliance early on. And really, two years ago, if you were to talk to me about Raquan Davis, I said this guy would have been a lock to be a top five or six pick. Right now, I think you're looking at him as a mid-first-round pick. And, you know, he's been passed by Derek uh, Brown of Auburn, which is, you know, heresy in the state of Alabama. That an <laughs> Auburn player has jumped ahead of, of, of a, a player from the Crimson Tide. So I think Raquan Davis is a guy that – it's kind of uh, disappointing me. Same thing with, with LaVisca Chenault of Colorado, a guy who struggled with injuries, a guy who last year in the, during the 2018 season, especially the start of it, it, it looked brilliant. I mean, he looked like a top-12 pick. There were some questions as to whether or not he's going to end up in the first round at all wow. uh, come this April. Tony, how about off-ball linebackers? The Giants have not drafted an off-ball linebacker in the first round since Carl Banks. It's a stat we throw out here a lot. Uh, we'll throw it out again. Uh, could this be a year where we can stop throwing that out there? Is there an off-ball linebacker that you think could be worth a top-10 pick that can be that type of Mike linebacker, or are they more apt to wait until day two or three to try to find one of those players in this year's draft? Well, the only guy who would be a top-10 pick would be Isaiah Simmons of Clemson. And, I mean, he, he played safety early in his uh, Clemson career. They moved him up to linebacker, and he is sensational. He is just an explosive player, gets great depth on his pass drops, covers a lot of area. You can send him up the field on the blitz. He'll, get, he'll uh, basically get good results for you. A tremendous athlete who's really molding himself into a real good football player. Now, you know, I like Isaiah Simmons. I don't know that I like him as a top five selection, mm. um, but again, I think he's going to fall in that top twelve, top ten area. There'll be some good guys in the uh, second day. They'll be able to get as well. Here's a name to remember. We're going to see him at the Senior Bowl. Akeem Davis Gaither of, of Appalachian State. Again, very much what the league is going to with linebackers these days. When you say off the ball linebackers, space linebackers, basically has strong safety size 
but plays the linebacker position and does it well. Great in space, great in pursuit, outstanding in coverage, flies around the football, gets from point A to point B in no time at all, and constantly making productive plays on the football field. Johnny, I think the other position of interest to me, a significant interest for the Giants, would be skyscraping wide receiver. You know, they got a bunch of guys here that are, are more of the smaller types. They don't have any Spider-Men. Uh, T. Higgins out of Clemson interests me at six foot four. Are there any other skyscraping receivers that you could see going very high that might interest the Giants? And I don't necessarily think you pick one in the first round, but maybe even round two. Keep an eye on Brian Edwards of South Carolina. I don't know that he's an early uh, uh, second-round guy, but you know if he falls into the third round, 6'3", 215 pounds, runs and plays in the high 4'4", a real productive receiver, a guy who wins out for the contested passes. You know He's a big-bodied receiver who plays big-bodied football. I mean, he goes up and he fights to come away with the reception. Colin Johnson of Texas is coming off of a bit of a disappointing season, which means he's likely going to slide into the third round. But it's 6'5 and a half, 220 pounds. Not the swiftest guy, not the quickest guy, but again, a sure handed uh, pass catcher who's a terrific red zone threat and will go up and come down with the contested ball, uh, contested pass. Same thing with Michael Pittman. Again, you're looking at a third round type of receiver, 6'3 and a half, 218 pounds. Always winning out for those high pass, uh, for the high balls, for the jump balls, always winning out for the contested passes. So you can get that type of receiver. But I think, you know, you can wait until that third-round area mm-hmm. and there'll be a couple of good ones staring the Giants in the face. What about Collins out of Michigan? Uh, if he enters the draft, I, I think he's, uh, you know, six, he's, he's solid. Want to see how he runs. I think he's had a decent year. I don't think he's, he's exploded the way I had hoped. But then again, you could say that about the entire Michigan uh, offense. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see if uh, Collins decides to enter the draft. Do you see this uh, wide receiver as the deepest position in, in this draft, Tony? We've seen last year's wide receiver class have, have, a, have a pretty solid showing in this year in the NFL. Is this class better? Is it super deep? Is there another position you think is deeper? Your thoughts? Depending on which underclassmen come out, I really like the offensive tackle class, and I'm an offensive tackle guy. I, I think there's great depth at the receiver position. I think there's great versatility and, and, and variety at the receiver position. You've got the small, speedy guys like the K.J. Hamlers of Penn State, who I understand is, is going to enter the draft. You know, you talk about the bigger receivers. One name I forgot to mention, Gabe Davis of Central Florida. goes about 6'2", 215 pounds. You know, plays the position like Des Bryant, not the fastest guy in the world, but just plays with great strength and body control. Uh, I like the receiver position, but as far as, you say, the first 42 picks or so, I, I really like the offensive tackle class. All right, so, Tony, in the last month or so, as you, I know, I know you do this year-round, and, and please, I, I, I don't mean to uh, at all ignore any of the other months that you've busted your butt on this, but in the last month or so, is there somebody all of a sudden who's caught your eye and that you're going to be really focusing on that you didn't expect to be focusing on as, again, we get into the bowls and the combine and the workouts? Well, I got to go back to them further uh, further than a month because I, I do this stuff over the summer. I know Isaiah you do. Wilson. Huh? Everyone talks about Andrew Thomas, the left tackle of Georgia. Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle, is a guy who I, I'm told is going to enter the draft. He's an underclassman. Doesn't get the headlines of his uh, teammate. More of a pure right tackle type of prospect. 
but a guy who has just really exceeded expectations. I came into the year thinking he was maybe a third-round type of player. I'm thinking right now, late first round. I would suggest to anybody, go back and watch the Notre Dame film because what happened was Wilson didn't play the first half of that game because he had a bad ankle, and Notre Dame was killing Jake Fromm off the right side. Wilson hops into the game at the second half with the bad ankle or so, with the bad ankle and all, I should say, and just solidifies the right side of the Georgia offensive line. And then Georgia just took control of the game when their right tackle, Isaiah Wilson, stepped onto the field for the second half. So Wilson's a guy who, where I had him ranked coming into the season to where he is now, it's almost a two-round improvement. Tony, how about the defensive backs? Do you see guys going in the top ten that are deserving of that? Is it a deep class for the cornerbacks and the safeties? I, I, I think it's a top-heavy class. I mean, you, you've got – it's basically a top-heavy class with uh, kids from LSU and, and Ohio State. Jeffrey Akuda of, of Ohio State, the cornerback, is going to be a top-10 pick. I like Grant Delpit of LSU, who will be a top-15 pick. Uh, Christian Fulton of LSU, the cornerback, is going to be a top-20 pick. Uh, Trayvon Diggs of Alabama is going to be a first-rounder. C.J. Henderson of Florida – a first rounder, and then it kind of falls off a little bit, but you still you got a lot of Ohio State guys, you got a lot of SEC guys in there, and you'll be able to get good, primarily corners. The cornerback class is a lot stronger than the safety class. You'll be able to get good players that can fit in as starters, nickels, and uh, nickel players as rookies in the NFL, really through the third round. You know, Tony, it seems by what we have done here, just kind of scatter shooting all these positions, you're very, very excited about this draft. Not that you, you, you aren't on other years, but it seems like there's an awful lot of depth at a lot of these positions. This is a good crop, isn't it? A good p- positions that are usually, or in the past, have been priority positions for NFL teams. You know, you used to, everyone focuses on the quarterback, but NFL teams, when they come into, the, uh, when they come into a draft, they want to see defensive linemen. You've got a good, decent crop of defensive linemen. They want to see a lot of offensive tackles. You've got a good number of offensive tackles in this class, as I said. You, you, uh, they want to see cornerbacks. You've got a good number of cornerbacks, as I, as I just mentioned. So I think at the priority positions, you know, quarterback is the sexy position these days. It's the one that garners all the headlines. But it's your offensive tackles, it's your defensive line, it's your cornerbacks that you really need on the field you know, to, to, uh, to help the quarterback win the football game. And I think you've you got good crops at all those positions. Tony, final one for me, and this is a selfish preparation question, so I don't mind hiding that. I'll be off to the Senior Bowl in, in a few weeks. I'm hoping to see you out there. Who are the guys that I should put down and make sure? Give me like 12 of them. I don't care. However, however many you want. <laughs> Who are the guys that I should really be keeping an eye on that are at the Senior Bowl that could be day one or two picks? Well, you know, the Senior Bowl has always been a kingmaker at the quarterback position. The Carson Wentz's of the world, the Phillip Rivers, the Carson Palmers, and even last year, Daniel Jones. I mean, didn't have the greatest of days, but really, the Giants fell in love with him. So you, you want to look at Jordan Love. That's going to be an interesting, uh, the, the uh, underclassman from, uh, uh, the fourth-year junior from Utah State that's going to be there. You're really going to watch him. Uh, you want to wait and see what other uh, seniors are there. Uh, you know, I'm really hoping that uh, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert both go to the Senior Bowl. I don't know that Joe Burrow needs it. Justin Herbert absolutely needs it. So it'll be interesting uh, to see if he shows up. There should be a good number of centers at the, uh, at the Senior Bowl as well. All right, my final question, Tony, is a little bit on the flashback kind of mode. Of the Giants draft picks that they took this past spring, which one pleasantly surprised you the most? 
I've I, I got to say Daniel Jones only because he exceeded my expectations. Now, a little revision is history. The last time I was on with you guys was draft night, and I, I could hear the anger from the crowd that was in the background that the Giants, when the Giants took Daniel Jones in the sixth pick, and, and I knew what you guys were going through just watching John on, on Twitter and always being harassed. <laughs> and I said to you guys, I said to you guys at the time, I said, you know, I understand if Giant fans are a little bit upset that they took Daniel Jones with the sixth pick, but the guy is a good player. He is a good quarterback. You know, if you want to slam the selection at number, pick number six, fine. Don't slam the player. And I think Daniel Jones has exceeded expectations. And, you know, it's, it's a good thing because all those people who walked out on the ledge on draft day have now come back and are jumping for joy because Daniel Jones has done so well. So, uh, you know, it's got to be the quarterback primarily because no one, even me, and I was high on Daniel Jones. I had him rated higher than most. I don't think anybody expected him to play as well as he has played this year. Tony? Awesome stuff. We appreciate it. We'll definitely talk to you multiple times before we get to draft night. And again, just tell folks where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Find me on Twitter at, uh, at Tony Pauline at ProFootballNetwork.com. We'll have all, all kinds of draft stuff, bowl previews. We'll be uh, at the Senior Bowl, at the Shrine Game, one of the few people at the Shrine Game, uh, loads of content. And basically, the news before it's news will be at Pro Football Network. I appreciate it, Tony. Good stuff. We'll talk to you down the road. Be well, Tony. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's Tony Pauline. We thank him for joining us on this week's edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast, taking a broad look ahead at the NFL Draft. Want to remind everybody you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you want to find out about the Giants' other podcast offerings and how to subscribe, go to Giants.com slash podcasts. You have Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is our daily show, the Giants Huddle, and, of course, Giants Rewind with Carl Banks. Make sure you check it out. For Tony Pauline and Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time. Adios.